The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guests and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact-checking and corrections are encouraged. Go get a cup of coffee in here, please. Well, actually, it's good coffee, but it's not the best coffee. Good morning, folks. It is hot. It's so-so. I'm going to need a refresher before Jackie gets here. Jackie, the joke man, will be with me at the bottom of the hour because he's a bottom man. (laughs) Good morning, folks. It is Wednesday, hump day. Speaking of bottoms. (laughs) Wednesday, November 9th, 2022. Big red wave. Did you enjoy the big red wave? I didn't really see it, but I hear it was wonderful. Anyway, uh, I look forward to seeing the Zeldin signs ripped off, um, ripped off the lawns here. You know, it's not just because I don't like Lee Zeldin as a person. <laughs> Uh, but I don't like Lee Zeldin as a person. But lawn signs, in you know, it's been a pet peeve of mine for years, and the junk mail. But and they spend millions of dollars. And I know you're like me. You're like me in the in the fact that you go to the mailbox. There's a bunch of cardboard in there with political ads on it, and what do you do? You dump it. You put it in the recycle bin if you're a good person. You throw it in the trash if you're an asshole. Um, I'm a little of both. I'm a mix of good person and asshole, depending on which bin I'm closer to. Uh, But how many millions are wasted? Nobody ever voted for somebody because they got a card in the mailbox. Nobody ever changed their vote because they drove past a lawn sign. How much do those lawn signs cost? Millions. Millions. And here on Long Island, <coughs> excuse me, here on Long Island, there are a sea of Loser Zeldin signs everywhere. Enough that I thought he, he's going to have a landslide victory. Look at all these fucking signs. Look, people in my neighborhood and people on Twitter are saying they, they hate the stench of republicanism on Long Island. Long Island is a very red part of a blue state, without a doubt. We are the Texas of New York. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Zeldin lost, and the big red wave that was said to have come in turned out to be like sort of reddish wave. I still, we still haven't gotten all the results from that the House of Representatives in, and uh, people are acting like the Democrats held the House of Representatives. I don't think that's going to be true in the end. I think Nancy Pelosi is going to have to give up a gavel. I, I'm still trying to make heads or tail of it, but um, bottom line is, um, 
the the Christo fascists uh, have not won in the way that they thought they were going to win, and we don't have uh, to worry about freedom of religion uh, for the moment. Uh, Good morning, Kevin. Kevin says, Bobert looks to have lost, even though it's not final yet. Yeah, I'm sweating that one out. I really hope she loses. I really hope she loses. I don't, she's the most unlikable, one of the most unlikable people in Congress right now. There's, there's a lot to choose from. Um, but she's definitely up there. Uh, Sarah Perrin seems to have lost the third race. Third time she's run for the same <laughs> seat. Maybe she should take a hint, by golly, and go put some lipstick on a pig. Um, anyway, the election is over. Uh, not people on the right are really not happy. One thing you take away from this, every Democrat who lost, every single Democrat who lost, and I am not a Democrat and I know I've been accused of that lately because of only by Republicans, actually Democrats don't welcome me with open arms. Uh, but every single Democrat who lost conceded with grace that makes a big difference to me that's the number one issue in america right now is can we have fair elections where we accept the results win or lose because that's the only way it can even sort of work without that we're fucked and any kind of um policy doesn't really matter beyond that because policy can change. We can change our politicians every couple of years in most cases, except in all in Iowa. <laughs> uh, speaking of Iowa, William Conway is in the uh, audience. And uh, I wanted to say to William, because he brought up term limits yesterday. Uh, William is, uh, a native Iowan, although South Dakota was where he called home for a, a long time, and now New Mexico. Uh, he brought up term limits the other day. Iowa, and William is, is sort of representative of Iowa in that Iowa has been one of the loudest voices for term limits. And yet, they elected Chuck Grassley, 89-year-old Chuck Grassley, who was born before the invention of the chocolate chip cookie. Think about that. He's been around longer than chocolate chip cookies. Just got elected for another six years until he's 95. And if he lives, he'll run again and probably get elected again. So the more we talk about term limits, people talk about term limits. They're fucking re-electing Methuselah. (laughs) Chuck Grassley, it's time to go out and graze, Grassley, um, out to pasture. Uh, I know you want to stay active. You're in 89, you're not ready to lay down and die. You don't represent the future of America at 89. You re- represent the past, the time before there were chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> um, it's unbelievable to me that somebody that age would even run never mind get elected what's the biggest takeaway from all, all this 
we're still very much a divided nation. There is no one party rule here. Good thing. Good thing. Uh, so, you know what? Um, it is what it is. I, you know, it wasn't going to necessarily get anything done because, and, and when when it, the dust all settles and all this is over, uh, hopefully, the Republican Party starts to shed itself of a bad, bad decision to accept Donald Trump as part of their, as their leader, uh, and move forward in rebuilding, because I have said forever um, that the United States needs two strong parties. They don't, they don't need one party destroyed, and I don't want to see the Republican Party destroyed. I want to see it get back to being a viable option to keep the other side in check. I'm a centrist. I'm for the middle, middle of the road politics. And just because I am doesn't mean you have to be. But we don't, I've said this a billion times now, I get tired of saying it, but nobody really loves the two-party system. But I promise you, a one-party system it's far worse. Any one-party system. You can look at history. You can look at other countries that have a one-party system. It's not good. So, Jackie will be with me at um, nine thirty, about twenty minutes from now. Uh, looking forward to talking to Jackie. He, he sent me some videos of his harvest. I sent the. I have not sent him. I want to show him um, a photo of my harvest. I'm going to share it with you now because I think it's kind of uh, telling of my skills as a um, what am I? A, a horticultural genius. That's what I am. Here's my big harvest. Uh, now that plant, my friend Ralph gave me that as a cutting on the day or around the time we went to go see Jackie in June. And I planted that. That picture is from the last week of September. I, I harvested that about a week later. You could see. Uh, the, now, it was ba about that size when Ralph gave it to me. I put it in the ground, watered it every day. It got plenty of sunlight all day long, every day. And that's what I got. And then I look at what Jackie did with the same cutting at the same time. It's like a five-foot plant as wide as me or wider. It's like, plants don't love me. That's all I got to say about that. Uh, anyway, let me douse that down. Whoop, there it goes. Um, so, yeah, I am not a horticultural genius. I am a horticultural retard. <laughs> Oh, you can't see retard. I just did. Fuck you. Anyway, um, so that's what we got lined up today. I'll be talking with Jackie. We'll probably talk some Harvest stuff. Last night on the program, uh, Andy Fry. Uh, Andy Fry is a writer for ESPN and Rolling Stone, and oh, former for ESPN and Rolling Stone, um, and now writes for Forbes about sports. 
business news. Oh, we got a, a porn bot in the audience. Good morning, porn bot. Best adult dating site. Uh, okay. Thank you very much for that. Uh, are you getting paid for that? Uh, I want, um, I definitely want a cut on this uh, commission on, I got to block sex find, sex find biz. Sex find biz has been blocked. That's sad. That's sad. Where was I? I forgot. I'm having seen you. Oh, Andy Fry, a writer for uh, ESPN Rolling Stone and now writes for Forbes about sports business. Uh, big rock star fan. Um, Jen X, I guess. Jen X, is that what they were? The people who were after the boomers. Uh, wrote a book called 90 Days in the 90s. And this appeals to me very, very much because it's a time when there was some great music. You know, during the time, everybody said music and the music industry sucked. I remember very clearly how negative people were about the state of the music industry in the 90s. But looking back, yeah, we look back with nostalgia. And went, wow, that was a great time for music. What the hell changed? The music didn't change. We changed as a people. Um, and I, we were talking a lot about the music of the decade. Uh, was a great decade for me. The 1990s, for me, personally, probably the best single decade of my life. Uh, overall, for 10 consecutive years. It's my 30s. And uh, the 30s, I turned 30 in 1989. So 30, uh, 30 to 40, basically the, the decade for me. And for me, I think, Looking back, it's hard. If you're 30 years old, you probably feel old right now. If you're 35 years old, you probably feel pretty old right now. Let me tell you, you're not. <laughs> if you get to be my age, and I hope you do, you'll look back and think, wow, 30s were pretty fucking rocking decade to be, a, you know. That part, that age is really the prime because you're, you're an adult. You're self-sufficient, completely self-sufficient. You're you're in the prime of adulthood. You're in the your golden years. You're really golden years. I know they call you know retirement golden years. No, your golden years are when you are really, really at the top of your game. And most adults are in their thirties. So for me, that was a great time. It's a radio show, television show, great music going on, playing with the. Uh, bunch of different bands doing a lot of creative things it's a great time for me and i think i'm not alone in that but if we look back at the music of the 90s it was very diverse and changing yes there was some shit yes there was some shit but there was some really great stuff and you look at the stuff that has had legs and lasted um nirvana pearl jam the whole grunge scene. And then by the time that had started to fade, you got Smashing Pumpkins, you got uh, o Oasis, you got a bunch of, those are the stuff that, that I like. But hip hop was really coming into its own Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Eminem, Jay-Z. All of that music was coming into its own. Country music kind of, started to take a bad turn uh, in the mid to late 90s. A bad turn as far as 
it started to become imitation 80s hair metal with a twang. <laughs> if that makes any sense. And I think it does make a little sense. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, let me uh, just uh, get a recap of the chat room here. Uh, so last, that was last night's program. We talked about that. And we did touch a little bit on Jackie because that's the 90s for most people is when, when Howard Stern was the king of all media. It's when his movie came out. It's when he uh, went to FM. When he went to FM in the very late 80s, 89, I believe he went, he got kicked off at AM and uh, got picked up by K-Rock and then syndicated and went national and all that stuff. Um, let me check out the uh, chat room here. Uh, Jerry Roth, good morning. Jerry, a horror writer who has written a collection of uh, horror stories that was out in time for Halloween. We could not get it into Halloween stores in time because it just came out the week before. But Jerry is with us. Good morning, Jerry. Uh, Kevin, it's always good to see Kevin, who is uh, going to be starting his own podcast called I Hate Women and Women Hate Me. <laughs> and I look forward to listening to that and reading the hate mail he gets. Just happy to see an end to political ads on TV. Well, this is why I don't have TV and I don't listen to radio. Dems overall were a plus 28 in the 80, 18 to 30-year-old demographic. Young people going to save us. Now, that's that's surprising because I, I think yesterday I said, because uh, I've been taught, and I talked to, Yesterday, I talked to a 22-year-old kid, and I said, did you vote today? He said, no. I said, did any of your friends vote? No, I don't think so. He said, I was going to ask if I could get off uh, for uh, to go, you know, take an hour off to go vote. But, you know, it was too much inconvenience for him to ask his boss, can I have an hour off to go vote? Now, I think legally they have to allow you some time to go vote. I do think. I'm not sure about that. Don't quote me on that. I could be wrong about that. But I think legally uh, they have to allow you an hour to go vote. And it doesn't take an hour. It takes 10 minutes, really. Uh, Bobert, yeah, I saw that one, Bobert. I hope Bobert loses, man, because, again, she's one of them nasty. And she's one, she is absolutely a Christo-fascist. She's one of these people who uh, said, was a, for abolishing the separation of church and state and thinking that the uh, Born-again Christians should tell the government how to run. So if she loses, and I think she, I don't want to jinx it. She, it was getting too close for comfort. In the middle of the night, she was down by 10 points or something. And I was like, yeah, good, good. Uh, William says, unbelievable that Grassley is reelected. Is it? You were just talking about this. Um, is it unbelievable or is it just disappointing? I think disappointing is a better word. Um, I kind of expected it. But that highlights the whole talk is cheap. People talk about term limits, but when it comes down to it, they're going to go to the polls and just vote for a familiar name, Chuck Schumer in New York. Now, Chuck Schumer is one of the most hated people in New York, even by people on the left. They went and voted for him again. Uh, he was governor when I was a kid, if I remember right. I believe you're right. I think he was governor of Iowa before he was a senator. Um, Facebook user says chocolate chip cookies were born in 1938, and Chuck is way before that. Uh, <laughs> no, when was Chuck born? He's 89. 
Yeah, before chocolate chip cookies. Uh, demographics are bad for the future of the GOP. Plus 28 Dems in 18... Uh, did I read that one already? Um, the Republican Party has always, always been... Always been a party of senior citizens and older. What happens is most of my friends... Most of my friends who are Trumpers or Republicans, and not necessarily the same thing, were, they could definitely be described as spending their youth on the left. On the left. I mean, they were John Lennon fans, most of them. You don't get more left than that when you're comparing it to the Republican Party. They were against Richard Nixon's Republican Party for a even though they are Reagan Republicans now, they weren't Reagan Republicans then. They weren't uh, in the camp of rah-rah-ronnie. Um, as you get older, people tend to move more to the right. I love seeing multiple libertarian candidates on my ballot. Um, what does libertarian even mean? People can't even really agree on what that's all about libertarians are people they should just call themselves independent because there is no solidarity of uh among libertarians about what that word even means and what they really stand for oh well we stand for liberty and what the fuck does that mean to you it, it's like flat earth is saying density look it up dude <laughs> i can't uh, use words that they understand. So I'm, uh, I don't have a lot of respect for, and I get a ton of junk mail from libertarians thinking that I'm one because I'm an independent. No, I, I appreciate third parties, fourth parties, fifth parties, seventh parties, 27th parties. Uh, the libertarian party. That's the John McAfee party. John McAfee is a fucking nut. A fucking psycho insane terrorist, domestic terrorist, who uh, was out of control, out of control, and narcissist and all that stuff. Um, so that's the Libertarian Party for you. Good luck telling Gen Z that their gay or, or trans friends deserve to be hated and discriminated. Good luck taking away their rights. No, I, yeah, that's, that's true. I'm looking for my coffee train in front of my fucking face, man. Anyway. Then Kevin alerted me about the uh, spammer in the chat. Thank you very much. He's gone. Kelly, first time this week showing up. Good to see you. You you were one of the people urging me to get back to this time, and then you, like, ghost me. Uh, Facebook, give me this. Show us your tits. I've done that. Uh, been there, done that. Then nothing special. Or unless you're saying that to Kelly, and then they're really nothing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said I was sorry. Uh, chilling like a villain. I know Liber libertarians are hilarious to me. Libertarianism is hilarious to me. Yeah. Um, it, it should be uh, lost and confused and none of the other should be the name of the party. Because they don't agree on anything. They, don't, they can't even define what the word really means to them. It's like, give me a break. Uh Oh, Jerry's back. Good morning, Jerry. Jerry Horror Writer. Jerry Roth Horror Writer. Uh, 
they do ha- uh, have to. Um, they do have to. I'm pretty sure. I don't know what that's. I must have said something that he he reacted to there. Boomers are dying out at rapid rate now, though. Uh, are they really? That's a good. That's a good statement to make because it makes me think. My people my age are dying. They're dropping like flies. But people older than me seem to be living forever. The older boomers. And listen, I'm a guy who's in nursing homes all the time. Not, not a resident yet. <laughs> uh, I will be in a nursing home tomorrow, tomorrow and Friday. Um, they're jam-packed, dude. Jam-packed. They can't find enough beds for them. Um, so I, I, I kind of question that. Yeah, boomers are dying off. My, the late boomers, not late bloomers, late boomers, uh, are dying, seem to be dropping like flies. The guys I went to school with, they're all dead. I think I have like a handful of my people who I've known, you know, all my life who are still alive. And most of them are dead. But again, people older than me seem to be living forever. People, people want, I think if you survive your 50s and 60s, you get vampire blood and they make you immortal or something because we have a lot more people living into their late 80s, 90s, 100s. Nursing homes are filled with those people uh, and they still vote. Gen X isn't going to slide in and vote lockstep with boomers. No, no, they're not. No, they're not. I had a Gen Xer on last night. You know, the thing about Andy Fry, who was on the program last night, watch the program. If you don't get a, and I know there's a whole lot of bad will towards Bill Murray right now. (laughs) But if you don't get a strong Bill Murray vibe, he's from Chicago. And he's got the mannerisms, speech uh, patterns, all I mean, they bleed Chicago. They ooze Chicago. And for me, it was almost, I felt like I was almost talking to Bill Murray because he just sounded that much like him. He, he even, and it was, it was a little bit of Belushiism in him too. <laughs> that whole Chicago vibe. Uh, but yeah, but he was a Gen Xer. And I, I'm certain him and I are not, of a like-mindedness and a lot of things politically, musically, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but it was a great talk. And like comic David Smith, big li- libertarian has zero consistency. Yeah. Dave Smith. Is he a libertarian? Uh, he's perfect example. If he is, does he call himself a, li- he's a guy who doesn't know what he fucking believes in. He, he changes his principles Faster than most people change their underwear. That's what libertarianism, you know, represents to me. is people who can't be consistent on any particular principle. Uh, today I'm for this. Tomorrow I'm for that. Um, Dave Smith. If you're don't, not familiar with Dave Smith, don't get familiar with him. He's a, a bit of a dick. Dick Smith. William says, in my opinion, it's basically a conservative viewpoint with a few liberal allowances. Nah, I don't think that's that's even close um, to an actual description of libertarianism. Maybe where you are, 
maybe a few libertarian candidates that you know of um, fit that. But I don't think that's an accurate uh, portrayal of, of what libertarianism. Right, right now, it's time to bring in uh, the one, the only joke man of all joke men from Planet Joke Man, Planet Joke, the fabulous Jackie, the joke man, Martin. Good morning, sir. What's up? Holy <laughs> shit! Oh, I I gotta say well, before just, I even before so I even talk to you. You're so low key. You you I the goose you there. Well, I no, I was uh, pretty up key for talking politics for for the start. I think I wore myself out uh, talking politics about the voting and all this stuff. But before we, I even get started talking to you, I have to talk about this because uh, this is espresso. Uh, Patrick Greenwood, who was a cycle writer, a guy who rode his bike through Vietnam, started a coffee company. Uh, it's a pro bono coffee company. I mean, it gives back to all charities and stuff like that. Cycle Rider 3 Espresso Coffee Company. I told him uh, I would mention them because he sent me a whole bunch of espresso. I never drank espresso before. Have you drank espresso? I don't know. Is it coffee? Is it tea? Is it... I had to look up the difference. It is coffee that is ground differently. Uh, it's got a richer, less bitter taste because of the way it's ground, uh, ground, and the, the way they filter it through. Cut uh, to the chase. Is it caffeine? Oh uh, yeah, it's, it's super. Send me some. Yeah, yeah. I will. I'll send you a, a bag. I got. He sent me a bunch. Stuff. Tell him. I'll, tell him I'll plug the hell out of him. Tell him to send me some. I will. So. Uh, TikTok is doing well. You, you're still tick, ticking and talking with the best of them. You know, it's so weird. Um, I just started doing that however many months ago because I had all these jokes left over from uh, that I'd done. I, I did jokes for radio, but I had done them on iPhone because it's easier to just send those files than to deal with MP3 files, you know, as far as uh, Taxium. And I started putting them up and some of them started going, some started going. One got really kicking ass. In fact, I have that loaded onto uh, my Twitter right now. But I had one that all of a sudden was catching on and catching on. And it went from 880 to 890 to 900. And I'm like, I could get to a million. I really could get to a million. So I started saying to people, please retweet this. You know, I, I put it on my Facebook and blah, blah, blah. Because, you know, anybody that was going to see it had already saw it, you know, or heard, well, I mean, they heard it a million years ago. It was a great joke. And I was on, do you know who uh, Julia Scotty is? Oh, yeah, of course. I've had her on the program. But she's a great old friend uh, from 40 years ago. And we had, we're doing, I was doing her podcast. And I was saying the same thing like we're talking about. I said, you know, I, I got this joke and I'm so close to a million. I was up to 987,000. And I put it on my pin on my Twitter and said, come on, help me, help me. And while I was doing her podcast, I took my iPhone and went to my TikTok and it said 1.1 million. So live, I got my election <laughs> results right there. It was very exciting. But that 1.1, that's a, I don't get anything out of it, Matt. I mean, we got to figure this out. Maybe I get a free bag of Nespresso. But still, that's a lot of people seeing that joke, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there is, they do have some monetization on there. But yeah, even a million streams, I think probably we only pay like six bucks or something. <laughs> and, and I think you have to actually do it on their site. And these are just, I'm just posting old stuff. So, ah, what can you do? How's your knee? <clears throat> I'm so glad you asked that. I'm going to physical therapy right after this. 
it's been five months, June, July, August, September, October. It's been five months and it's so great. And every time I walk up the stairs, it feels like it's a little bit, a little bit better. Like the physical therapy really helps and the physical therapy gets easier because now, you know, and I got the muscles in both knees. I don't want to kill the calf. You know, I don't, I don't want to say anything and then go out of here and trip. But I mean, it's, it's a, it's a miracle. It's a miracle what they do. It's been, right. I went swimming a couple of like maybe Saturday I went swimming, you know, I went, I jumped in the water and it was still nice enough, but God, just being able to swim with that knee was, you know, not outdoors in your pool. No, in the oh. Long Island Sound. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> My beautiful Long Island Sound, man. It's it was sick. like summer last weekend, but still, outdoor swimming was, <laughs> it's, uh, it is no Oh, I made, I made a little iPhone video of it. I'll send it to you. It's fun, very funny. It's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. what happened? I, what, you had all these women co-hosts. They all uh, bailed out on you? I screwed. You know, I got involved in a, a dopey independent movie project that it's never going to get finished. It was a failure because the guy just didn't know what he was doing. So, but I let that distract me and fuck up my whole show big time. And I, you know what? I'll never make that mistake again. <coughs> I, when I first got off the Stern show, I got asked to be in a lot of these independent movies. And when people used to interview me, I used to say, "Well, now I'm doing independent movies, and I'm going to keep doing them." Till one of them gets finished. <laughs> yeah. Not, right. Yeah. Uh, you, I know a lot of people who start that and don't finish it. So uh, your physical therapist, a guy or a girl? It, it's it, it's a place. It's uh, pro sports in Oyster Bay. And no, it's just a guy working my knee, but it's girls bossing me around. And they're all so young and so cool. And, you know. And I, my, my fear about that is if I had a hot chick doing physical therapy, on, I would get a boner and it would be very embarrassing. <laughs> well, I'm exactly the opposite. I have the fear that if I had a hot chick give me a massage, that I wouldn't get a boner. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me Do tell you. You know that something. joke about the guy that's getting a, a massage from a really hot Swedish girl? She's about 25. She's built beautifully. And she's working on him, working on him. She works her way down his belly. And all of a sudden, it's obvious he's got this raging heart on. And she says, you like to have an orgasm? He says, well, hell yeah. She says, okay, I'll be back in 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> what a uh, heartbreak. Hey, I had a, not to be homophobic, but I am. Um, you can. When I was working at the Riviera in Las Vegas, I was in killing. I was selling out, you know the top of the rib and stuff. And I had Steve Sharippa from the Sopranos. He was the entertainment director back then. And I said, please build into my contract. I want a massage each day. And he said, that's no problem. So the little, you know, the, the massage, <clears throat> not parlor, but the salon or whatever it was, I go up there and the guy himself that runs it is going to give me the massage. And it's a freebie, and what am I going to say? But I look, and there's a picture of this guy who was a little too good looking. You know what I mean? <laughs> but there's a picture of him and this pretty girl and these two kids on his desk. And I'm like, well, whatever. So the guy massages me. I, I went out there probably seven times. And, and like the first two or three times, he uh, gave me a massage. And at some point, I said to somebody, yeah, you know, it's a little freaky that having a guy doing it, but you know, at least I saw the picture on his desk of 
him and his wife. So, you know, and somebody says, that's his sister. And I'm like, oh, good Jesus. <laughs> there was a picture of him and his sister uh -oh. with the two kids, which, I, which obviously would throw you off, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that would definitely. Uh... I, oh, I had a really strange one. Me and Nancy, my ex-wife, <clears throat> went down to Sandals. <clears throat> and one of the deals was you got a free massage with, with your week. And we sign up for it and we go down to the massage place and there's two guys. Okay. And one of them is like a Greek God and the other guy, a little skinny guy with pockmarks. And we go down and say, we're here for a massage. And, and they're like, well, we're the masseuses. And the, the Greek God guy grabs Nancy by the hand and takes her. And like, and I was like, how come I get the ugly? And I, I realized like, I, why do I get stuck with the ugly one? But they're guys. It was like I was so I was so confused. <laughs> well, you came out of it okay. Well, so far. I wanna <laughs> so <laughs> I wanna share with you a, a picture of my harvest because you sent me uh I asked you to about your harvest and uh, uh so I wanna show you what I did. This is my now, my friend Ralph, who came out with me to your place in June, gave you one of these cuttings and gave me one of these cuttings. At the same time, I planted this in June. Is uh, this is this you planting it in June? Yeah, or is this... yeah. And, and so it this is late September. This is as much as I get. This is my entire harvest for this season. <laughs> what we're looking at now? Yes. That's not June. That's it. no, that's not June. That's almost October first or something. Oh, that's so wonderfully sad. Oh, you know, <laughs> I don't have my pictures. I don't have. I, I purposely didn't my, bring my phone in here because I I don't like to be on the phone right up in time to the podcast. You know, you get so sick of these goddamn things. But but I had a, 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 did I send you the picture of the yeah the the, the stump yeah. You know, and it's great. It's, it's, it's so like a thick it. tree. It's yeah, it's it's this stuff's great. And I just uh, I just cut down a bunch of it. it. It was only hanging for two or three weeks, so I cut down a bunch of it and and cut it out. And I'm supposed to send some to my friend uh, Matt, but I didn't get to it yet. But I I have, I have notes to myself. Mike Mike Zinn says Jackie's new harvest gets four stars. How does he know that? Well, we had uh, thanks, Zinn. We had. Um, I know. I felt very. Uh, I guess ignored when I saw that you had like a a uh, stand up memories party or something. At, at no, no, we didn't at all. We just what we doing a new thing. We had in Joey Cola and his wife, and then this week we had uh, Carrie Caravas and her husband. And that's a it's a really great. I don't know if anybody else has done it, but it's a great great dynamic. It's me and Peter Bales with a comic, and then their spouse and. It's really interesting. And Zinn, of course, I brought him some of this year's crop. And he, he said, oh, yeah. He says, the last crop from last year was okay. He says, but it's the first time I've had to, ever had to deal with seeds. I'm like, how dare you look a gift horse in the mouth? You know, sometimes the plants have a few seeds in them. No, we definitely they, have to. Uh, we have to kick his ass big time. When, when are you going to come out here? Um, soon. I keep inviting you. Bring that guy. Bring that guy. That guy, I think that guy's in the chat room somewhere, somewhere in there. But he's high. What's he's his left. name? Ralph. He was a nice guy. We had fun, right? Yeah, yeah. He he loves you. He was a he was a, and 
I think he still is a Stern fan, but not so much anymore. I mean, he's kind of soured on Howard. You know, it's so funny. People talk about that with kid gloves. Like it bothered me. Like, well, I, uh, I, I only, I only listen sometimes. Like, could care less. You know, like of, of course, if you enjoy it, you listen to it. That's yeah. ridiculous. You know. Last night I had a guy on <laughs> who uh, he's. Uh, Gen X, and he wrote a book, 90 Days in the 90s. And when I brought your name up, because I was pl- plugging you would be here today, his, his eyes lit up. He's like, ah, that's my that's my time. Because the 90s, and I was talking about this this morning, the 90s is a time when the Stern Show really took off. Like, I knew you from the 80s when you were on AM, 66 AM in New York, but the country didn't know you. The 90s, the 90s was the crest of the wave, and we all had lots of money, and we all had lots of gigs, and we all had lots of women. It was just, it almost seems like a dream now. You know, it was fantastic. No, you know, no diseases, you know, you know, crabs, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so yeah, I, I I was talking about, from my perspective, that was my 30s. That was your 40s. Were, were you, like, um, were you living the dream? Did you feel like, I mean, obviously the money was great. You know, yeah, but when you're in it like that, so many things happen that, that would have been spectacular things in your life, but they just race by. You know, I, I'm sitting there having having drinks with George Clooney or I'm sitting there, you know, doing Coke with Sam Kennison, but these things are flying by one after the other, after the other, you know? Um, but yeah. And it, it was just great, you know, but I never moved out of my hometown. I still live here in Bayville and everybody already knew me. So as far as people recognizing you or something, you know, it, it was just be weird when people said hello. And you were like, you know, as you get older, you try, where the hell do I know them from? And I'm like, no, of course you don't know me. You know, I know you're from the show, you know, and that and that's kind of fun, you know. Yeah. I got to share was... another picture here. Give me one second here. Uh, this one is the stalk we were just talking about that. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's ah, a pot yeah. stump. <laughs> I, put, I put the Poland spring bottle for perspective. Yeah, perspective. I get it. And the other picture I want to share, hold on, let me get this one, because this is, uh, I want to talk to you about this. Now, I don't know if we were allowed to talk about this yet, but um, uh, it might get, I, I hear it, good things might happen very soon with, with it. Uh, the documentary I'm talking about, can we, te- what the hell, I'm pushing the wrong fucking buttons. We got distribution. Yeah, you did. So when is that going to happen? This is what I want to talk to you about. This <laughs> it, picture, won't be right? loaded, it won't be loaded in. <clears throat> They, I guess it takes three or four months for it to be loaded into the system. Ah. So it's a, it's a done deal, signed, done deal. But um, finally now when people say, well, I heard about your documentary, where can I see it? I can tell them where to see it. You know, we're yeah. going to make it nice and cheap. So, you know, and, now, and everybody loves it. You know, this picture on the, on, on the screen here, this is from the nineties. Obviously uh, this is less. No, as, uh, no, 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 no. This is, I met Les Paul right before I left the show. I met Les Paul at his 85th birthday, on his 85th birthday when the Iridium, uh, Moved, when the Iridium yeah. was still under the Empire oh. on 63rd or and Broadway. And it moved to, uh, it, it moved to below, uh, what's her face's Stardust Diner right after I met Les. And I, right. I met him like in the year 2000. 
And now I left you the show are, like you are cracking him up here. He looks like he's about to die in this. <laughs> I have I have a hundred pictures like that, and they all look like the same. But then you realize we're wearing different clothes. Anytime <laughs> I went to Fifty First and Broadway downstairs at the Iridium, uh, it was one of those things where I didn't go all the time because I knew if I walked in there, he was going to call me up. And you know, nobody just goes up and is funny. You got to sit. You got to load seven jokes or ten jokes in your memory. And say I'll do this, 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 because you want to go up there and destroy the place. You don't want to just go up and ramble. And I would go up there and just beat the hell out of him. And he just, he just, yeah. He it's, it's to me, fan. you've always got seven jokes. If I if I put you on the spot right now, you could come up with seven jokes. Yeah, but you you want you know I got to think in terms of what ones that I tell the last time I was up there. You, you know, because yeah, yeah, it's just it's just a thing. You know, you you, you want to do good, and, and it's a different thing if you're sitting in an audience. <clears throat> oh, I don't remember eating that. The, if you're sitting in the audience, it's a different thing where you know you're going to get called on stage. It just is, you know, as opposed to sitting there and enjoying the show. Like I would sneak in sometimes, and and I hear some, I'd see somebody go, "Hey, Les, Jackie's here." I'm like, oh boy, you know, which sounds ridiculous, but it was. No. I followed, I followed Slash, and I followed Merle Haggard. And Tommy, what's his face? And, you know, and it was always so fun. And that girl, Nikki, she was like, a, a, where was she? She was from uh, uh, Spain or something. She was just, oh, no, Australia. And she was so gorgeous. And it was funny, right after I met him, the next day I went over to where he was rehearsing. He used to rehearse the band every Monday afternoon. He's like 88 years old, and he makes the band rehearse on Monday before the two shows. Two shows every Monday. And I gave him a joke, and he used it every night I, I saw him for the rest of the till he died. It was because uh, Nikki, that girl, the hot bass player, used to sing a sexy song to him. And, you know, she put in the words, you know, less and, you know, making out, you know, talk about making out with him and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he'd just eat it up. And she'd get done, he'd say, I feel like a condemned building with a new flagpole, <laughs> which, which the people used to go nuts. They used to go nuts. Uh, William Conway says, I'm a comic with a spouse. Here's the deal, William. You'd, you'd have to get to Plainview, Long Island, New York. So <laughs> that's where uh, they tape the show with the. Now, that's an interesting thing, because I would think, uh you know what? The spouses of a lot of comics have heard it all before. They just like, uh, I know my wife. If I wanted wanted to talk music with her, she would not. She no, would but we're not not talking music. We're talking. You know, we're not talking. I know comedy. you're talking comedy, but no, still, I'm a musician. That's what I'm we're just talking saying. about. What's it like? How's it hit you? Where'd you meet? You know, uh, Carrie and and her husband Sam were just unbelievably interesting and funny, and they're so good. We're gonna have them back. We did. Like five segments, five twenty-five. It just, it just rolled, you know, because it was interesting. You know, yeah. it's not like well, there's very few comics that say this is my wife. I, you know, we were high school sweethearts. That's just, that's just not what happens. You know, yeah. she turned forty and said, "I need to have a kid," and just went out hunting. You know, but 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 she doesn't. You know, is this she, a thing? William Conway says, "How do you feel about bookers requesting certain bits?" That, that doesn't happen with you, right? Because you're, you're the. What joke, do you mean? But you don't come on my show and do bits. 
No, he, he a, a podcast. No, he's talking about like a stand up in a stand up room, like producers or bookers asking you to do certain material. I don't with you that that's not even a thing, right? I I've never heard of anybody doing that. You know, it's what's crazy, and not this is kind of the same thing, but it's it goes right across the board. And the more you read, you know, I used to think it was crazy because uh, Jimmy Walker used to piss off the world because all the audience wanted him to do was say dynamite. Right. And yeah. he wouldn't. Still. And, but it turns out that, the, but now he's doing ads on TV and he says dynamite five times because he's getting paid a lot of money. <laughs> but I guess a lot of times that there's so many performers of all kinds that don't want to do what they're known for because they think, you know, that. but that's their ticket. You know, it's it's very odd. But I never heard of a booker when he says Booker, does he mean club owner? Yeah, a club owner or, or now a lot of people are promoting like comics who uh, want to host or whatever. They're producing their own shows and they're bookers. Yeah, that's what they are. But yeah, uh, I I can't imagine you're unique in that. But I could see like somebody who's got you know certain long long format pieces that uh, somebody might ask them you know, make sure you include that in the show because they like well, maybe worry that they're going to use the show to work on new stuff and so yeah who knows you know i the one thing I, I and you always feel bad cutting anybody's balls off but I, I would tell the bookers listen you can book the funniest people in the world just don't book a loud dirty act before me because it's like booking two ventriloquists Right. You know, or, or two jugglers. You know, if somebody comes up and says, fuck shit, piss, fuck shit, piss. I got laid last night. I blew this guy. <laughs> they, they, you know, and, and usually do it without being funny. And then yeah. I go up there. It's like, you know, it's a retread over a, over a roughshod and highway, you know. so Wait, you you work dirty? I never I, I never knew that. I never knew. You, you. I thought you were just a completely clean comic. Very clean. Very clean. You take so, a shower, shower before every show. So uh, a guy sees a guy, another guy in the bar and he says, how old are you? And the guy says, I'm 97 years old. The guy says, whoa. He says, what's your secret? He says, um, I, I let my Boy Scout leader blow me. No, no, I mean, <laughs> how'd you get to be so old? Oh, oh, he's healthy. <laughs> Is that a ridiculous joke? Do you remember <laughs> Ernest Borgnine when he whispered to that girl, but he thought he was off mic and he whispered because she asked him how he, how he, what's his secret to such a long life? And he said, I, I, I masturbate three times every day. But he said it on Fox News. He was, thought he was whispering to the girl. Oh, that, I didn't, I never heard of that. That's, that's <laughs> wonderful. That's wonderful. And you know, and you know, he's lying. You know. Maybe. <laughs> he had a young wife. Tova was, I think, like 40 years oh, younger she than him. Oh, she was hot. Yeah, yeah. Do you know that the story about the, the Italian, uh, the Italian girl that wanted to go to town? No. And uh, <laughs> it, with her brother, and um, she, she wanted to hitchhike, and he, he, her brother says, "You can't the hitchhike. You can't." She said, "I got to go to town." He's okay. So she hitchhikes, and a guy pulls over, and her brother jumps out of the bushes with a gun, and points it at the driver. Is I want you to jerk off. What's the guy going to do? So the guy jerks off. He says, okay, now I want you to jerk off again. The guy jerks off again. It takes a long time. And he says, one more time and jerk off. 
And the guy jerks off again. And then he says, okay, now give my sister a ride to town. <laughs> <laughs> I get it, unfortunately. You never heard that before. Unfortunately, I get that very, it, it hits home very personally for me. Count that, that... Basie said, I want my musicians hungry and horny. Because really? performers just, I, my, I was, always had a thing with my ex-wife. You know, no blowjobs before the band job. I would never eat anything. I never eat before I go on stage. I missed out on a lot of great meals at a lot of great clubs because you got to be hungry and you got to be horny. It just, it just. You know what it is for me lately? Lately, I've been playing a lot of not fun. Going into it, you would think this is not going to be a fun gig. A lot of loungy type stuff, a lot of restaurants. And I thought to myself, I need to get stoned. And it's been a, a blessing it, because I go in and now the music is fun for me. I, I, I've been getting, I'm smoking these, these uh, pre-rolls, they're 38% THC. They're tiny, but... Oh, those little things, what are they called? They come in a little tin box? Yeah, it's, uh, these are called... Mini joints. Yeah, baby teeter pre-rolls. Now, where do you get those? And there's a store right around the corner from my house called the Green Space. And it's not like a dispensary. You just walk in and you say, I want I want some reefer. What do you got? <laughs> Where got... are we at now with New York? Is it legal? I think I don't think it's uh, I don't think it it's legal, <laughs> but it's open. The, the, the potheads don't know. I don't know. They, I don't know if I could just walk into a store and buy buy a joint or buy an ounce of pot. Well, I, I think, don't need it, but I, I think in know. your neighborhood there is a couple. There are a couple of places up there that have opened up because I, but this are is how medical? I. Medical? Do I need a card? Not for for these kind of places. No, you just they don't even check your ID. Well, you, for us they wouldn't anyway. They just look at you and say, "Yeah, you're definitely old enough." But <laughs> I mean, thank, thank you. No, <laughs> you're 21. Come on, you think you look 19? <laughs> I remember I remember when I turned 55 or, or no I turned 65 so I qualified as a senior and I went to go to the movies and I went to buy a ticket and I said one senior and the girl just sold to me I said you're not gonna ask for my ID <laughs> I, I look 90 you know <laughs> yeah I get I get carded you know for when I'm buying beer or something at the supermarket and I always think that's so ridiculous man and they have to actually look at it like all I should really have to do is show them I have a license okay you well, know, no, just show them the wrinkles in your hand <laughs> yeah, right. but they, they have to look at it and, and verify the date like are you kidding me <laughs> and and it embarrasses them as much as you you know yeah. you feel like idiots you know yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, so I've been getting stoned on the gigs and it's been fun. I've been, uh, you know, I enjoy the music and it, it's last week we did one at a veterans hall. And so what every... are you doing? You're playing guitar? Yeah. yeah. How, how many people? Uh, generally five, sometimes six. Oh, that's a nice size group. Yeah, and Kiara sings, and she sings with the band, and she's been singing better than I've ever heard her recently. Um, but we did, like, on Saturday night, we did a bunch of jazz standards, like pop jazz standards. And, like, you know what? I was so into it because I was stoned. I was like, this, I, I love the girl from Ipanema. <laughs> yeah, you know, great song. Did she? That's She was so fun. She was just... Christian, right? She, yeah, she's back working at a nursing home now during the day. 
she well, was. Well, she was kind of working in a nursing home with me and you. Yeah, I know. She was. <laughs> well, and she definitely loves hanging around with guys our age, uh, which is weird for a 29-year-old girl to be. Uh, she's got she's an old so man for this. Yeah. She's not married, right? Uh, she lives with a guy who's all right, my age. <laughs> we'll call it about my age. So she's not, she's not gay. So who, who's listening or who's watching? Anybody in Florida? Uh, yeah, we do have some people in Florida, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to tell them that uh, December 9th, right. I'm going to be at the West Palm, uh, the Palm Beach Kennel Club, which is a, a great little venue. They, you know, when they had to kill the dog track. Um, yeah, Palm Beach get, Kennel Club, one. 1111 North Congress Avenue in West Palm Beach, Florida on December 9th. There's no time listed. No, it's like 8 o'clock. And uh, me and Peter Bales are going down to do a show at the Elks Club, which is, I guess, some big fancy uh, catering place now in Brigantine, which is like a stone's throw from the Borgata. And I right. think that's, that's right after th the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Uh, I wanted to ask you about these shows because you have a Saturday after Thanksgiving in New Jersey. That's always been a tough one for me because Wednesday before Thanksgiving is a huge party night. And then the holidays and people just worn out by that Saturday. No, but by Saturday, people want to out of the house, away from the family, away from the turkey. It right. always surprises me. That's a red hot night. Yeah. Well, I, for years on the Stern show. The night before Thanksgiving and the night before the 4th of July, people used to always scream at me because my plug was always, wildest night of the year, wildest <laughs> night of the year. Because yeah. I'd go out and get so loaded and come home and then poor Nancy had to deal with, you know, Thanksgiving dinner and, and we had to, you know, set up for the 4th of July party and just, oh, yeah. wild days, great days. I'll come in back the, to Like you're talking about in the 90s, you know, it was yeah. like. Let's come back to poor Nancy in a second, because uh, the other gig that is the Saturday the 29th, right before New Year's Eve. Now, that's a weird one, because it's right before New It's not New Year's Eve. It's the 29th. And no, Nancy yeah, but that's Uncle Vinny's. Uncle Vinny's, a, sm right. a small club. <clears throat> I want to come to that one. Oh, please, be my guest. Do you know Dino? The yeah. owners of Dean and Jerry, which is fun. Yeah. And, uh he was supposed been... to sponsor the program, and I got to I got to reach back to him. He's always so busy that we can never have that final discussion about what the. No, he's he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Like he's uh, he's been very supportive of me forever. You know, yeah, my ups and downs, and all it was just great, great fun. Well, and I dropped your name. That's how I got friendly with him. I said, "Yeah, uh, me and Jackie go back. We were like best friends for forty years." And he said, "Oh, you you friends with Jackie?" <laughs> I don't know if you're telling the truth, but it would have worked. It did. It, no, I am telling the truth. I, I, de I definitely I, hey, I use you all the time. some trivia for you. Um, stop me if I told you this already. That picture of me with Les Paul on that stage, that's downstairs underneath Ellen Stardust Diner at the corner of 51st and Broadway, which was, in the 40s, the Havana Madre Club. And that's the first place where... Jerry Lewis ever jumped on stage with Dean Martin. Wow. I and not know you that. know, you know how every place you go, the little house in the middle of nowhere, George Washington slept here. Yeah. You would think that they would have a plaque or make something out of that. You know, uh, like Dean Martin was, um, was rooming with Alan. Uh, what's his name? They, they, not Alan King. 
Alan yeah. King. Really? And and he was working there. And Jerry was his act was to go up and pantomime to records, but he went some I don't know whether Alan King told him to go there or whatever. But um and he went down there and jumped on stage with Dean and then acted like an idiot. And it's if you Google it, it's in the Google. Right. And, I thought Skinny D'Amato was the no, guy and somebody them. saw them and, and said you 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 should work. And their their first actual gig was down at Skinny D'Amato's five hundred club in Atlantic City. But the first time they actually, you know, shared the DNA on stage was like total happenstance, you know. Wow. Are you familiar with the movie called Dying Laughing? You know what? I think I watched half of it. Yeah, it's 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 comedians talking about bombing and talking about getting started and all this it's, stuff. It's, it's just a, it's British, right? I don't think so. I don't know who who made it, but it's all it's Jerry Lewis is in it, which it, it's obviously archival footage. But it's comedians from today, and then all of a sudden you'll see no, Jerry yeah, Lewis. No, I did. Well, I never heard of it, and I think I just came across it on Showtime or yeah, HBO it's on Amazon Prime. That's where Amazon I saw it. Prime. Yeah, and it was interesting, but you know. It's, it, it, sometimes the, the guys are hard to watch or, or you can tell they're making it up you know when people are talking from their heart about stuff that really happened that's that's what you know yeah that's well, what it, it, it just seemed weird because uh, jerry lewis didn't fit in with the modern and when you brought him up i was thinking uh why there's no plaque there it, it, a lot of people have because Jerry Lewis was said to be a real prick of a human being. I, I, by by 99.9%, you know, I don't think any of his kids were speaking to him when he died, you know. Right. He, um, did you ever read Cliff Nesteroff's book about the American comedy? No. You know, I got to send you that. There are, there's a whole huge section. If, if you don't like somebody, you like to read, you know, you love to read about comics bombing, but he laid such an egg and it's just, I think I've read it 10 times and I feel guilty about it, but there were five people vying <clears throat> for the tonight show spot and Carson. No, no, they were filling in the time because Carson signed to come on, but he couldn't get out of his other contract for six months. So they had different hosts on the tonight show. And Jerry Lewis did it for two weeks. And he had such high ratings that became an, a, a bidding war. And I think it was ABC got him. And they paid some outrageous amount of money. And they took this club on the corner of, I think, Hollywood and Vine and completely redid it. And they had JL in gold and they had golden uh shower heads and stuff like that they made this club unbelievable to do the jerry lewis show from and it finally premiered and he came out and bombed so his plan was i'll just go out there for two hours and be me they love me so much yeah and i guess he said something kind of anti-semitic or something or something you got to read this and they hated him and he lasted two months and it cost i think it was abc like tens of millions of dollars it, just, it was just the you know everybody back then i lived through that dean martin jerry lewis broke up and like him or leave him everybody sure jerry lewis was going to the top and dean was done right and it was it was just a joy to see it be the total flip of that 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I got to look that up. I remember seeing Jerry Lewis sub on the uh, Tonight Show, and and those were the best times of my childhood. I mean, I I stayed up late for that stuff. Uh, You know what I I forgot about, and somebody reminded me the other day of uh, Carson's war with Wayne Newton about buying the Stardust in in, uh, Las Vegas and how that didn't work out, and then they became bitter enemies. I forgot all. Carson made a lot of enemies in his. You know what happened? Wayne Newton was his go-to punchline when he was making a joke, like a gay reference. Right. And he was, and you know, he'd, <laughs> he'd, he'd say something, and everybody thought, "Gay, you know, you know, Donka Shane, baby, Donka Shane." But meanwhile, Wayne Newton's a half Native American, six foot two brute, and he just walked in one day and walked right past the secretary and walked in and grabbed Carson and said, "You say one more word about me." I'm going to break you in half. And he never did again. I think wow. that's in the book, too. Like, that was classic. Wow. And they, I think that bidding war came after that. But that uh, was like, you know, Carson had the, had the bully pulpit. And he's saying, oh, yeah, you know, who's going to be there? Wayne Newton, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. And then after a certain amount of time, and if you look at him, he's, you know, he's an interesting character. <clears throat> when I was with Rodney Dangerfield in Las Vegas in 1980, Rodney said, you got to see Newton. Come on. I got to take you to see Newton. So it's the, it's a gas strike. So Rodney's audience is two thirds full on the best nights, two thirds full. And he walks me to, you know, he's got to work, but he's going to walk me so I can go see Wayne Newton. And there is a line around the club fourth fourth across just, you know, because everybody comes to Las Vegas, they give him, you know, money to play slots and the ticket to Wayne Newton, you know, that came with the bus, you know? So, zillions of people in line and Rodney was so upset. He said, why don't you see a real fucking show? This is bullshit. What are you doing? Why are you? And we go in and I had, you know, I was real close because Rodney knew all the maitre d's and he, this guy does the most schmaltzy show. He's a good singer, but he's like literally bending over and French kissing these old broads in the front. I was like, I, either that's a guy who's dedicated to his craft or he's a, he's a moron. But then a couple of years later, I went to see somebody I knew who was opening for Wayne Newton at Westbury Music Fair. And Wayne Newton came out and did the same act, but with a twinkle in his eye, like he got it. He was goofing on Wayne Newton along with you. I can't yeah. even describe it. It was like, you know, yeah, I yeah. get it, you know. A parody was, of himself. <laughs> yeah, he just he just got so hip. And I was like, wow, that, you know. Yeah, what, I, a, what a transition, you know. I think he had a sense of humor about himself because when he did that stupid movie, uh, which I say is is the second greatest movie of all time, <laughs> but I say that as a joke, Ford Fairlane uh, with Andrew Dice Clay, he seemed to have a sense of humor about who Wayne Newton was at that point. Uh, anyway, in the movie, anyway, I think he was making fun of himself. Um, I, I think he's still out there doing it. I think he's doing one show a night. Wow, how old would he be? He's got a... <laughs> He's got to be over over eighty five, right? Probably. When no? I was a kid, like twelve or thirteen years old, before whatever age, we used to go to see the Mary the K shows at the Brooklyn Paramount and the Brooklyn Fox. Yeah, cool. and our, and it'd be like Smokey Robinson and the Miracles and the Supremes and and Chuck Jackson and the Isley Brothers, and then they brought out Wayne Newton. 
<clears throat> and this little fat kid started singing Donka Shane. <laughs> we literally booed him off the stage. Wow. You know, 3,000 crazy kids. But he, I guess the song must have been in the top 10. Yeah. And that's how it worked. You know, it's like we couldn't believe, <clears throat> you couldn't believe that Murray the K had almost all the groups from the top 10 in his show. But the reason is, if they didn't do his show, he wouldn't, wouldn't play their records. He so wouldn't play their records. Yeah. <laughs> Maury the K was one of the first guys, uh, maybe not one of, but one of the guys who uh, claimed to be the fifth Beatle. I mean, everybody claimed to be the fifth Beatle at one point, but Mary Mary the K definitely adopted that right. label. Mary and cousin Brucey, and you know. Yeah, yeah. But he was actually up there in in the hotel room with them at some point. Was actually broadcasting from there. Oh. Yeah, he, uh, he was such a hustler. He was an interesting guy. He was, and he had he had like a hot young wife too. I think I remember seeing him on talk shows. He had like J Jackie the K. Oh yeah, yeah, right. She was like on General Hospital or something, right? Yeah. Somebody told me, <clears throat> somebody who knew who the hell would have been, told me the story that it was a you know maybe it was Lieber and Stoller or somebody that they knew. It's great. There's great stuff about them. They, they, the story of Lieber and Stoller, the songwriters, you yeah. know, Hound Dog in Kansas City, it's fascinating stuff. And there was some songwriter who was supposed to uh, go to dinner with Murray the K and his wife. And Murray the K and his wife came over, and the guy said, "Listen, I, you know, I got to write a song for Bobby Darren, and I'm, I'm over. I, I can't go to dinner. I can't." And Murray the K's wife went over. To the piano and went clink, 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 splish, splash. I was taking a bath. All right, there's your fucking song. Let's go eat. <laughs> that's a terrible. <laughs> that's, that's a terrible song. song. It's a fucking terrible. I was thinking Do about. You know how many? That was. It was like number two. I know something. it was a huge hit. <clears throat> but I was looking at like you. First of all, the whole premise is just silly. That you're taking a bath and there's a party going on in your oh, own house. It's and just. It's just spectacular. <laughs> no. It's just. It, how was I to know there was a party going on? It was a cushion in this place. It's it, that is the classic. So bad it's good. Yeah, so yeah, hard. yeah, yeah. What what about this thing that they just discovered? What you think is so funny <clears throat> that some piece of art was hanging for seventy years, and they discovered it was hanging upside down. <laughs> But it was some famous piece. It's got to be a Picasso or an abstract, it, it, right? No, and all it was was lines and parallels. And this woman who was my first acting teacher, this big, heavy woman, she was so great. She was so cool. And, you know, erudite. You know, she knew everything about everything. You know, a New York City intellect. And her and some guy she knew, the guy, whether it's an actor or whatever, got, into, uh, got invited to the Playboy Mansion. In the, I, I think in Chicago. That it was that long. It was in Chicago, and her and him walked into Hugh Hefner's lobby of his of his mansion, and and there was this really famous piece of artwork. But it was like you know, like the like the who the guy that threw the paint. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, one of uh, those Pollock. Yeah, That's like a Pollock, something like that. One of those type things. But she knew enough to know that it was upside down. But whoever, yeah. wherever it was, probably worth millions of dollars. But yeah, how know. many, how many hundreds of thousands or millions of people saw it and didn't real? Boy, they had to feel stupid. Which is just such bullshit. You know, I love <laughs> bullshit. You know, 
<clears throat> it turns out that Washington Irving was very close friends a billion years ago with one of my ancestors, which is so fun. And one of my ancestors was like in the Sleepy Hollow and all this. But um, there was no real history in New York. So he started writing tales of old New York. And then he started including this family called the Knickerbockers. They didn't exist. He invented the name. And then however many years later, people are tracing their roots where they, they, they came from the Knickerbockers. You know, Did they, they name they, the, the basketball team after a fictional historical family? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Knickerbockers <laughs> became such a famous name. But there was never a family name. That people claiming that it's like saying I came over on the Mayflower, but you know it, it, it's just hysterical. And people are just so full of shit, and it's it's just so great when that's unleashed. You know, Zin says, "Don't forget to plug tonight's episode with Rory Rosegarden." I don't know Rory Rosegarden. Rory Rosegarden. Oh, uh, oh, we had a new episode today. Uh, our podcast is doing; it's getting better and better, and. Um, Roy Rosegarten was my manager for uh, a year or two, <clears throat> I, but I knew him since 1979. He was a wonder kid, you know. He worked at, at Playboy and then decided to start uh, managing acts because he loved comedy, and then and he was managing Ray Romano, and he was my manager too. And it's really funny when we were at K Rock, we used to have a thing called the K Rock Comedy Riot. And people send in their VHS tapes and they get them home down to like 20. And then they say, Jackie, come in and, and help us judge these. And we look at them and say, well, we'll take this one, take this one. And I, I guess five people would compete or something. And I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure when they put in Ray Romano's tape, I was like, he's great. Definitely him. Definitely him. But it, it would, I'm sure he would have got picked anyway or whatever. And Rory was the manager. Wow. So we would go to things like that. He went to the K Rock Comedy Riot and saw Ray Romano and said, "Hey, you know, I'd like now, to manage you." That that brought in a whole different clique of uh, people from new comedians from Long Island. I mean, him and Kevin James and all the all the, the same guys. thing. The same thing happened the next year at the K Rock Comedy Riot. Kevin James won. I got a picture of me and Kevin James and Henny Youngman, you know, holding up like the ten thousand. It was probably. $10,923, whatever the hell it was. And and Jeff Sussman was there and went up to Kevin James and said, hey, I'd like to manage you. But wow. Rory was was uh, started managing Ray Romano and they made Ray's show. And it wasn't when they when they aired it, it didn't do well. And they they. Changed it. They changed the the time. I don't know. What, say it was seven thirty on a Tuesday, and nobody was watching. And they said, "Oh, we got to move it." And then they moved it to like uh, seven thirty Monday, and nobody's watching. I remember very distinctly. Rory said, "Well, they're moving Ray's one more show one more time, and if it doesn't work, he's back in the clubs." And then they whatever night they put it on. I I don't know what it was, but say it was Wednesday at nine o'clock, whatever it was. And it went to the moon. Yeah. And they all became, you know, Rory's A very, very uh, familiar story to um, your pal uh, and uh, my gay lover, uh, Lenny Clark. Uh, 
he kicked uh, Seinfeld's ass. The first year they were on, they were both on Monday night, and Lenny Clark's show called Lenny was the number one ratings getter on CBS for the mon- for on all networks for Monday nights, and then they moved Seinfeld to Thursday night, and he, he kicked ass there. But he would, uh, if you know, the moving definitely changed. But it, you know, Lenny. it's so funny how that worked, and 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 imagine the thought of Ray Romano going back to the clubs as opposed to I think. I think he made a, a billion dollars, and it still airs all the time, and everybody watches it all the time. You know, right. I mean, God bless me. He's such a such a good guy, and Rory's a great guy, and he was uh, our guest for like five shows. And, wow! Um, and they're fun podcasts, you know, because we go back, we all know each other so. That well. stand up memories. Uh, it's on YouTube, but if you need a link, you just go to jokeland dot com. It's right on. There's a link right up on the top of uh, Jackie's page there on Jokeland, and, and there's the also the website standupmemories.com and that gives oh. and we're way ahead we, we we're well into uh recording for season three and we're finding we're finding an audience and and you know all the stuff is is evergreen you know this is the will- this is the issue you have to stick with it long because i know a lot of comedians who started doing what you're doing with this stuff and when it doesn't like have a huge audience three weeks in they're ready to give up or four weeks you have to stick with it first a while for to build your audience to get that traction. I think uh, if you stick with it a couple more seasons, all of a sudden you're going to see it like just explode. I well, I don't know, but the thing is that I look so forward to hanging with Peter and um, and talking with him. We just have so much fun. Peter's going to be on Zin's show, by the way. Yeah, and yeah, Zin didn't invite me, but I gave Zin pot and he complained about it. So he's <laughs> he's on my shit list. But I like that the people are so nice. You know, there were a couple of very cute girls. We, well, we still have a very cute girl that's working on it. I know I'm not supposed to notice. But uh, two of the girls left, and, you know, th- that broke my heart. But we have so much fun, and Zid is good, and we, we just have a nice time. So if you're really enjoying yourself, I think it comes across. You know, I hope it comes across. You know you know the story about Peter Bales with, with Barbara Eden, right? Do you know about no, that? No, Barbara Eden? So oh, I'm watching you say night. that and I get wood. <laughs> I'm watching last night, uh, me and Barbara are watching um, Will Success Spoil Rock Hunter? And I'd never seen it. And it's just so goofy and silly. And Tony Randall's just funny just looking at him. It's just a great show. And Jane Mansfield, hysterical. So uh, we're looking and all of a sudden they come in and now his office has changed because he's such a big star, Tony Randall. He's such a high-end high advertising guy. He's got a new secretary. That's Barbara Eden. And I said, you know the story about Bales and Barbara Eden, right? And Barbara's like, what are you talking about? So I said, back it up. She backed it up. And I took a little five-second snippet of her sitting at the desk as the new secretary. And I sent it to Bales. And I said, Barbara doesn't believe it. He did a show somewhere. Atlantic City or something, and she was in the audience. And after the show, she came backstage and said, "You know, you were so great, so you're so good, you're so smart." And of course, they had some drinks, and he she came up to his room, and they had a or he went to her room, and they had a splendid time, and he just couldn't believe it. And the next morning, they get up and get dressed. He says, "Wow, this is great." He says, uh, "Give me your phone number." And she pat him on the shoulder and said. Let's let's just have this be our special night, Peter. And she left. <laughs> and that was the end of Peter Bales and Barbreen. Oh. <laughs> and he hates uh, he hates the fact that everybody tells that story. But that's, <laughs> that's and you're and you're 
taking joy in telling it one more oh, time. It's the greatest. Because <laughs> what's the downside? You spent the night with Barbara Eden. No, poor Peter, you know. Yeah, I would have had, I don't know. Peter's a better man than I am because I don't know how he did that without making a move. Barbara Eden, you got to take your shot. Like my friend William Conway well, said. They spent the night together. What do you mean, spent the day? He, he, yeah, yeah. Really? They woke, they woke up in the morning. Oh, he's he fucking bronze then. He thinks he's going to get a phone number and it's going to be a recurring thing. And she just pat him on the head and said, she used them. Wow. She used them. Like you would have used the broad if you ever could have. Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, he's bronze, man. Now he, he's like Elvis in my. my... He said he, he said he felt like a piece of meat. I said, well, I, maybe he's, a just, he's, he's nuts. First of all, if he banged Barbara Eden, uh, he's he's Elvis Presley in my book, and but he should have never even pursued it. He should have acted like you know what? Yeah, I'll see you, babe. Uh, oh and... yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Could have, um, should have. God. You mentioned Play Rory uh, used to work at Playboy, and I, it, it made me think of. I saw because somebody, uh, William Conway, asked, "What are you going to be for Halloween?" I said, "I'm going to be me. I got to be me." And then I played this Sammy Davis Jr. "Got to Be Me" video, and I noticed on YouTube all these comments about what a wholesome time that was. We need to get back to that, and blah blah blah. And I'm looking at it, and it's a video of Sammy singing "I Got to Be Me," and I'm noticing. First of all, Sammy Davis Jr. was a guy who admitted to joining a Satanist cult, not because he was into Satanism, but for the drugs and the pussy. So you're talking about what a wholesome time. Then oh, I God. All those guys. It's, right. It's, then I realized it's at the Playboy Club, and you Hefner's in the audience, and Anthony Newley, and all these people. And then right behind Sammy is Bill Cosby with a cigar in his mouth and the maracas like this. I'm like, wholesome time. Every one of these guys, old men, are, are taking advantage of young girls <laughs> like these are the wholesome times you want to get back to it just you read the stories that you know the the guys are you know they spend a night with a girl and they had people on their on their staff that were in charge of getting the women out of the house and fixing the room so it didn't look like anybody been there so if their wives come home and their girlfriends you know Bob Hope had a girl on every block in Los Angeles. He kept buying them houses. And his wife knew every, every everybody knew everything. Do you ever read the book? Uh, <clears throat> this is the second book. If you haven't seen this, called um, Full 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 Stop Full Full Service. Did you ever hear that? Uh, is it about Hollywood stuff? I think I it does ring a bell. I think I did read that. The book. guy who set up all the guys and girls. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy, crazy. Now Hope was. Uh, there's a lot of rumors about Hope, and I don't know what's true and what's not true. But uh, it, it seemed like he he had some really real skeletons. I mean, not just the fact that he liked <clears throat> young girls, but uh, you know, and you don't know what to believe. Every one, every one of those women that he took on tour to the Philippines, or you know. Remember all the hot chicks he'd take to entertain the GIs? They were there to entertain Bob. Wow. You and know, he had but, he had a thing with Carson, too. They hated each other. But even though he was a frequent guest, Carson hated him. <laughs> I, I see. I didn't know that. Yeah. You know. He, he hated him because Bob would never be spontaneous. He'd come on and do material and, like, tell John, Johnny what questions he had to ask him to set him up and all that stuff. Yeah. You know, 
<clears throat> I'm not surprised. You know, nothing broke my heart more than when I found out that you bet your life was totally scripted. Sin doesn't want to be on your shit list. He was just rubbing you. Rubbing him how? Uh <laughs> I know, I know. He he knows him. I know. He he's he's a he's a little bit of a um thin skinned guy. He, he can't fuck him. So Groucho's doing your bet your life. And I, they, there's you see footage of from his point of view, and you see the camera, and the guys are standing behind him with huge cue cards. Yeah, yeah. With the ad libs, and meanwhile they'd shoot ninety minutes, and use the best thirty minutes. It was right. like, and you think everybody thinks he's sitting there wailing off the top. And I don't fault him at that. I mean, I know what I'm going to say when I go on stage. My, I mean, my cue cards are in my head, but I know what jokes I'm going to do. Right. But sitting down, you know. I sitting down with Peter, you know, it's, it's not bits. You just sit there and break each other's balls and and have a merry old time. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, Hope did come on the Stern show. He came on the Channel 9 show. Wow. He, uh, he, I got to find that. He was doing, for some reason, he, he was doing some kind of thing at, and so funny because I drove past the base where we were when I went to my gig in South Jersey, I think McGuire's Air Force Base, does that ring a bell? Um, and, I, and it rang a bell, I said, I bet that's where we went to, because he was there for something, and Howard dressed up, you know, in, in camouflage, as I remember, because Howard was sitting there with Bob Hope, and I was sitting at their feet, and he, he, he I don't know how he did, the, he didn't do the whole show, but he did a long interview, I got, that's gotta be on. You you just Ooh. fucked me up with the senior moment that it's going to haunt me the rest of the day because I used to drive. It's not McGuire's Air Force. It's not important what the name of the Air Force Base was, but now I'm going to be thinking about it all day because I used to go there all the time. But uh, you know, but I, Howard like got right in his face. And said, I'll never forget him saying, "So how much money have you got, Bob?" And and Hope said, "How much money have you got, Howard? How much money have you got, Howard?" <laughs> And he stayed, then they stayed nose to nose, you know. And this had to be 1990 because uh, the Channel 9 show was 89 and 90 or 91, maybe. Right. How much of you got, Eric? Yeah. Uh, you know, that, the idea that, uh, you know, Bing, Bing Crosby was was supposed to be the <clears throat> one getting all the pussy. But I, I know Bob got more, more than his fair share. <laughs> yeah, and Big Crosby's the nicest guy in the world to go home and beat his sons. It's, 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 you can't wrap your brain around that stuff. Right, you know? yeah, yeah. A lot of these guys had some really dark dark sides to them. Uh, and the, the Crosby and Jerry Lewis feud, coming back to that, you're aware, you're aware of that, that they had a... Bing Crosby was scared of Jerry Lewis that he was going to rip his wig off. <laughs> You know what? I'm thinking I might have... You mean when he came on, like... On the Big Crosby show, they came on to promote the first telethon or something uh, on on a Bing Crosby television show. And Bing Bing ran off stage when Jerry came on because he didn't want to. Oh, that's great. You know, do you know uh, this was the biggest heartbreak? Or not heartbreak, but Jerry Lewis got a cut of the muscular disc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I think, because when you're talking. I think like 15%. And to be there crying and begging on his knees for you to send money. <laughs> that's that's. I think that's why there's no plaque. And, <laughs> I really do. I, I mean, but they, Ed, but it's interesting. You know, this is where Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis first united on stage. 
love no, him for, or hate for him. For me, uh, that yeah, that is I like. I mean, if Adolf Hitler had stopped in there for breakfast, there'd be a plaque. You know, that cocksucker <laughs> Adolf Hitler. You know. <laughs> Now we've crossed the line comparing Jerry Lewis to Adolf Hitler. I'm sorry. Ah, the point being, there's, <laughs> inf- there's famous and there's infamous. You know. Yes, I get it. Well, uh, I know you have to get to therapy. I have to go do what I do. I'm not. Happy. What do you do? Right now, I'm helping people over at a studio uh, get their shit together as far as video editing for uh, commercials and and social media stuff. Where? Uh, at? EPM in Ronkonkoma. It's not. It's like right down the block from the old Konkoma Comedy Club. Do you know uh, these the, these Strong Island thing? Do you know what that is? Yeah, the, yeah, that's in Massapequa, and a lot of the guys who are at EPM were formerly, you know, Benny Rizzuto's kid. You know, Benny Rizzuti, uh, he, a Long Island comic. His kid is it works there. He's a like a, one of the main guys there. But a lot. I of just know Phil. From, I just know Phil Rizzuto. Yeah. But I think they were all incestuous anyway. They were all part of, you know, that tight end and, and EPM and, and strung out. I think they were all butt-fucking each other. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, you know, I Sorry, just wish, we got nobody promoting our show at all. And it's, it's you know, I don't put it on my on my Twitter or my Facebook or my TikTok or anything like that. Because I'm waiting for somebody to to take some you know, to take some steps to help us, you know. Yeah. Well, what's wanna, the name of the documentary? Do this, before... I don't want to do the show and then have to pull it along with my, you know, my dick. No, the I name of the documentary is Joke Man. It's an IKA collective documentary, Joke Man. It's going to be uh, distributed by Random Media out of uh, lovely California. And so far, everybody's seen it seems to like it. Let's do something right right before you know when they when it gets released on all these networks. Let's do something. I don't know. I'll I'll create a special I don't know uh, event. Maybe we could show a clip or two from it and get some people who who uh, are fans of yours, comedians who you who've been inspired by you, and make make something out of it. A little no, party. no. <clears throat> Once I know it's up, you know. All right. I don't. Yeah, you don't want to shoot the pooch before the time. You, right. you don't want to come too soon. You know yeah. oh, that again. You know. Right. Right. Well, I appreciate you being here. Good luck with therapy today, and uh, we'll stay uh, be in touch. And that, uh, that's I'll... no way to sign off with a performer. Like, you know, it should be no. It is that's... your next gig. Not good luck. I hope you don't die. Oh, you know. No, I I do hope good you luck don't with die. therapy. You know. I hope luck... I don't die. Well, that's I hope what... I. I hope I, you know. I don't die. But I'm I gonna be se- I'm gonna be sending you a bag of Psychowriter three espresso coffee. Psychowriter three espresso.com. Everybody go there and get some espresso. It's for a good cause. This guy drank this stuff and rode his bicycle all the way across Vietnam. So uh, it'll make you shit well. Is all I'm saying. Uh, yeah, that's two things I want to do: is shit and drive my bicycle across Vietnam. <laughs> You know about the you know about the three guys that are kneeling at the casket when their their fourth friend dies. No. So the guys lying there in the casket, there at the wake, and the three guys are kneeling at the at the casket. And the first guy says, "You know, when I go, I want people to say he was a good guy. He was a real good guy. He was a good family man, and he worked hard. You could count on him." And the second guy says, "You know, when I go, I want people to say." Man, he was fun. There was never a time he didn't make me laugh. He was always a real blast. And the third guy says, when I'm lying there, 
I want somebody to say, I think I saw him move. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I do move. <laughs> yeah. You know, they are actually doing that now. You can you could go to your own funeral. You can throw a funeral and then lie oh. in the box for an hour. It's an actual business now. I always wondered if that would ever happen. I, there was a movie, Robert Duvall did a movie about that where uh, he faked his own death and then threw his own, uh, uh, own funeral. And he was the most hated man in town and something and threw his own funeral just so he could sit and watch. Uh, yes. Uh, that's that's a great premise, you know, because always, people always say <clears throat> you go to a funeral and then you go to the wake. And it's always the greatest party, except for the reason you're there. Yeah, yeah. You know, so if the reason was he's not dead yet. <laughs> I hate fucking wakes and, and funerals and stuff. I mean, it, it uh, it's just so weird. It, it's a weird thing that people, you get, you're there to comfort somebody and all you do is like bringing up old memories. I don't know. I don't you know. You know, Grillo, do you know who Grillo is from the Stern Show? What? Uh, Steve Grillo. He was on the oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he uh, he came out to my father's wake, <clears throat> and I didn't even remember doing this, but my father was a fireman. I guess the standard thing is uh, at a fireman's funeral before they all leave the wake, they all stand in a circle and have like a prayer circle, and then they have a minute of silence. And so there's they're all dressed in their fireman's outfits, and there's like you know thirty guys in this big circle, and I'm standing in the circle with them. And they say, now, you know, have a moment of silence. Here's all these firemen all dressed up. And it's silence. And then after about a minute, I said, if somebody's house catches fire, they're fucked. <laughs> it was the uh, perfect icebreaker. I play uh, firemen's uh, events all the time. And I always wonder if, if somebody's house is burning down, because every fireman in the place is here uh, joining the band tonight. Who, who's gonna? They're not the... just enjoying the band; they're swinging from the chandeliers. Yeah, yeah, they <laughs> they do party hard. You know, Zach, who you were on with, does roast uh, weddings, and William just William Conway just brought up. Uh, somebody asked him to uh, do a roast funeral. That's a unique idea, like a, a roast. Funeral. <laughs> people roast weddings. I thought was a unique idea, but roast funeral will be. Yeah, uh, some people write something that you, they want you to read. At their funeral, like, oh, and I, this is, I just want Aunt Bertha to know, I always thought she was a piece of shit and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Do you know that story about the guy sitting in the bar and all of a sudden the fire whistle blows? No. And he jumps up and puts on his coat and the bartender says, I didn't know you were a fireman. He says, I'm not, but my girlfriend's husband is. <laughs> Good for him, getting some. Yeah, I like you gotta, that. You got to go for it. You got to go for it. All right, go get therapy. I got to go edit. I got to go edit. I'm probably going to be editing some stand-up memories or something at some point here. Uh, social media stuff for you guys. Because they are... Well, That'd be good. Tell Zinda to employ you. Come yeah. out and get some of my pot, will you? I will. I'll, 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 be, I'll find some time to get out there. Grab I definitely want to come... Grab Ralph. Grab Zin. Come out, you know. All right. I, I feel so like I got so much hair when I'm sitting. If I bring Zin, we're gonna both need to like gang up on him and just like totally roast his ass. No, he, well he's he's buying lunch. That's good enough. Yeah, that's good enough. All right, thanks for coming. I'll oh, and if you see Peter Bales, ask him if you can smell his finger. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have a newfound. Re he's now my idol. I mean, oh, I did not know. Listen, 
he should bronze his dick after that and forget about it. Just fucking put it on a little plat. Uh, this is the dick that fuck Barbara Eden. Come on, wait, you don't See, get and it. And I, I didn't even know the show that well. Who was it? There was another girl too. There was I Dream of Jeannie, and there was uh, Elizabeth Montgomery, Bewitched, or right, 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 or right. that girl. You know, Barbara Eden is still around. You know who she dates or lives with. I, I hope neither of them have gone. There was a group when I first stood in line to catch a rising star, and would go on on a Monday night. There was a group called. Am I going to forget now? Oh, God. The, the, uh, oh, God. It's a three man group. And they, they did the Italian Wizard of Oz. And they're very, very, very funny. And they were really the untouchables, they were called. And, uh, this guy, Bobby Mantia, was one of the three. I think the other two guys have passed away. And he shows up at the events, like at the cutting room with Barbara Eden, you know, and they're, they're both, you know, not that crazy old. They're a little older than me, you know. But she's still beautiful. Just beautiful. I think she's. I think she's at least ten years older than you. I think she's at least ten years older than you. Maybe even fifteen. She looks. She still looks great. Yeah. Well, that God bless her. Is she? You know, good genes. Whatever. She definitely was one of the all-time hottest women who ever lived. So, uh, now I. I'm gonna like. I gotta. I, talk to Peter Bales about this. I'm going to have to just, I'm going to tell him you you told me this story about how she broke his heart. <laughs> I'm going to have to talk to him about this. Anyway, so, I do have so to great. get All off right. my show. Get off my show. All right. I'll, December, I'll no, December 9th, the Palm Beach Kennel Club in West Palm Beach, Florida. It's always fun. And all of New York has come out, which makes it so great. Okay. So and you, But you have one on November 26th. 27th. 26th. Yeah, it's Thanksgiving uh, weekend. Yeah, at the Elks, uh, the Brigantine Elks. Yeah, I think uh, that's sold out already. That's why I'm not hitting it hard. Oh, okay. And go to StandUpMemories.com. We have such a great old library. Barbara Eden's 91. Whoa. Yeah, she's 20 years older than you, dude. <laughs> she had the point of your finger there, you'd break her hip. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm 91. Going. 91. Yeah. Is that he looking at her Wikipedia? She's still alive, right? Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. Kelly, if you want to confirm that she's still alive. Yeah, she's still alive. I'm going to say Good. she's still alive. Uh, maybe she's not now after she just heard us telling people that she banged Peter Bale. She probably. She, she, really... He says she, he hasn't heard from her since 1980. Uh, oh, when wow! She said, when she, she pat still... him on, she pat him on the head and said goodbye. Nineteen eighty, she was still hot. She was still, you know, that's she was fifty, right? <laughs> or around the late forties, even forty-eight. So yeah, she was still like Barbara Eden then. That, wow, man, Peter Bell's. <laughs> he the right. minute he goes on a talk show, he's any podcast or anything, he's always. You know, he's like Bing Crosby waiting to get his wig torn off, you know. So is that true about Barbara Eden? You know? All right, <laughs> All right, All right. go have fun. And, uh, yeah. Get, have fun with your editing. I'll talk to you. Bye. All right, babe. Jackie the Joke Man, folks. The show's over. Go home. <laughs> go to jokeland.com. Uh, check out his stuff. He, uh, TikTok stuff is up 
I think he's got a new one out every single day. Tonight, Stand Up Memories. Uh, link is to standupmemories.com, or you can just go to jokeland.com, and there's a link direct, directly from there. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Have a great rest of your day. I'm going to do what I do. You go do what you do, okay? Now get off my show. I'm going to do a little Tracy Ullman, Ullman thing. Remember Tracy Ullman? Go home! Go home! All of you, just go home!
listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.